encourage you and build you back up. He is with you always, even until the end of the age. He was with you then, and not for a minute did he ever forsake you. Forget about your past. Don't worry about your future. As we were just singing, he is here now. He is God, the I am, not the I will be, not the I was, but the I am today. So your needs that you have today, he is well-equipped and sufficient to meet your needs. Might not meet them the way that you expect him to meet them, but he is behind the scenes preparing the way for your miracle. Don't be upset because you're in the middle. There's a miracle in the middle. Amen. Amen. Turn to a couple people next to you and tell them your miracle is in the middle. Your miracle is in the middle. You guys were blessed by, by Irwin leading worship this morning. Nothing but the best. Amen. Amen. And I, we're going to figure out what's going on behind me in just a minute. Uh, but while we're uh, finishing setting a few things back here, I want to just finish reading this text to you. We're talking about this guy, Elijah. And uh, Elijah is in the midst of a famine in his country. He's in the midst of a drought. He's in the midst of, of a lack in his life. And, and God sends him to a brook and always meets our needs. Even, even if it, we're not overflowing in moments, he'll always meet your needs. He'll always carry you through. He'll never leave you. And he didn't leave uh, Elijah. He was in that moment. He said, I'm going to bring you to a place where you could drink water. And I'm going to send ravens to, and ravens were like dirty birds. See, God uses even like kind of the, the, the unchurched, dirty, crazy people to do his will. And he'll use them to bless you. I, truth be told, I've been blessed probably more sometimes by non-Christians than Christians. Because God uses everybody because he loves everybody. Everybody is his child and he has a plan for everybody. Oh, I didn't get any amens for that. Oh, he just has a plan for you. Nobody else. You're that selfish. Come on. For God so loved the... That's right. Verse 8, so now the brook dries up because there are certain things in your life that are just for seasons, certain jobs that are just for seasons, certain moments that were just for seasons for God to serve a particular purpose. And so this season was up for Elijah, but that doesn't mean that God was going to forsake him. He says, I'm going to take you on to the next thing. And the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the, the city of Sidon. And I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, what, what are you doing gathering all these sticks for? What's, what's, what's going on? What's the deal? Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? Seems kind of like disrespectful. <laughs> like this lady's gathering sticks, and you're going to say, get me water? Let's go on and read. And she said that she was going to get the water. And then he said, well, bring me a little bite of bread, too. Is there anything else I could do for you, Mr. Man of God, Mr. Elijah? You want, you know, some, some sprinkles on that? Is, you want a side dish? You want a baked potato, sweet potato, you know, blooming onion? You know, what, what, anything else I could do for you? Uh, no, that's it. Just the bread and the water will do. And uh, then the, the, the lady said to her, to him, I swear by the Lord your God that I do not even have a single piece of bread in my house. I'm struggling. Times are tough. Can't you see? Open up your eyes. There's a famine going on. You never, you know, you feel like saying that? Like, look around, I'm struggling, and you're asking me to do what? 
pastor, God, I need help. You want me to help someone else? Are you kidding me? I need the help. Sometimes in order for you to help yourself, you have to help other people. You got to put God first. Amen. All right, so she says, can't you see I'm struggling, and I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug, and I was just gathering a few sticks to cook my last meal, and then my son and I will die. A little over-exaggeration. She's out there gathering sticks. She's not just going to eat and die. Like, we just overblow our problems so much sometimes, especially our financial problems. I, I, I know when times are tough, but you're going to live if you can't, watch cable TV sometimes. You're, you're going to get through it, okay? You're going to get through not being able to have a new outfit for every single season. You're not going to die. God will not forsake you. He will sustain you. And, and then she says, uh, um, and Elijah told her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what I've said, but make a little bread for me first, and then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days, and there was always, say always, always. enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord promised. Amen. Somebody say amen. Like that. Say amen. All right. That was weird. Okay. Then go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. And uh, this is uh, the last book of the Bible. And uh, this, is, this is Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is and the one who was and the one who is still to come, the Almighty One. Then verse 17, then I saw Jesus. I saw him. I fell at his feet as if I were a dead man. But he laid his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid, for I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died, but look, look. Some of you need to look. For he is alive forever and ever and holds the keys of death and the grave. I want to uh, preach to you on the topic of God Bay. God Bay. Anybody know what, what Bay means you know what it means right joe you know you know what bay means right yeah of course of course you know it's what all these crazy young teenagers dating people they they hashtag bay bay what does it mean anybody anybody shout it out before anyone else joe that's your new hashtag joyce my bay before anyone else so I want to preach on the topic of God, my bay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will speak through me and uh, that you will be able to give us the confidence and boldness to believe your word, Father God, to not look at what we see, but look at what is possible, Father, through obedience and trusting in you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Oh, you guys could come up. You could come up. I got people. Let's hear it for the people. The people. Oh, don't let them see your signs. Don't let them see your signs. Diamond. Pastor Ronda, giving it away. Any competitive people out there? Yeah, a few. All right. Everyone that doesn't have your hand up, you are a passive competitive person. Probably even worse than the, oh, I'm an overtly 
competitive person. Uh, I grew up as an only child. I grew up always, you know, wanting to win. I wanted to win at everything. If it was ping pong, if it was, uh, I remember this one time I was playing in a uh, summer paddle ball tournament with my mom when I was 10 years old. And uh, I wanted to win the tournament. And uh, it, it was two on two. It was mother and son. And uh, me and my mom were getting dominated. It wasn't because of me. It was because of my mom. She, she just wasn't good. Her backhand was weak that day, you know, and, and, and people were just picking on her, just, just hitting balls at her. And I was very frustrated at my mom, 10 years old. And, and so uh, truth be told, uh, at, at the age of 10, I, um, I, I was seeking blood and I wanted to win first place in the Atlanta Club paddleball tournament. So I left my mom and uh, found another partner. And uh, we won the tournament. We won the tournament. And um, remember that, Mom? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I think you think I make this stuff up. It's actually, it's that, yeah, I'm, I'm that competitive. Um, and, but you know what? I'm glad that I grew up in an era where it's okay to be in first place. It's okay to be a winner. You know, all right, I, I may be obnoxiously competitive, but, you know, at least I grew up in an era where there were winners, uh, I, Judah signed up for a t-ball last, uh, last summer, and uh, I, I was asking the coach, I'm like, so, like, when do you guys play games? Like, like, do you keep score? And he's like, no, everybody's a winner. I'm like, that doesn't know. I'm like, in order for there to be a winner, there has to be a loser. All right? All right? And, and that's okay. That's okay, John. That's life. That's life. And, and even Judah, you know, T-ball, and, and they, they put little Judah on the T. Uh, I, I remember, and, and he, he had his first opportunity. We got, like, the video cameras out, and Judah's got the bat. And he goes and takes his first swing, and he hits the bottom of the T, and the ball, like, kind of dribbles down. I was like, all right, that's strike one. You know, the coach puts the ball back on the T, does the same thing. I'm like, strike two, strike three. I'm like, all right, Judah should be out. Like, no, nobody strikes out. Nobody strikes out. So then, then he, they gives him on, on, I think it was like the sixth time. Then Judah hits it on the bottom of the tee. The ball dribbles down. And the coach is just like, just go, go, Judah. So then Judah's flying over to first base. You know, he's all happy, excited. And, you know, comes to me and says, Daddy, did you see my hit? It's like, Judah, that wasn't a hit. All right? All right, Judah? Win or don't come home. That's our philosophy at the Frito household. <laughs> nah, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. But seriously, we love winners. We love winners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I've had to tone it down. Like when I first came home from college, um, I was very competitive on the softball team. And, um, you know, people in softball, church league softball, aren't quite at the division one level that I was used to. <laughs> and so I remember, like, I would get so frustrated with people dropping fly balls that I was just, like, so obnoxious. And, and one person, like, literally really got offended. And I think he left the church because I was so competitive on the softball field. Um, so I've learned to calm down my competitiveness over time. I'm getting better, um, you know, and, and I feel like what gets me through it is knowing that I get to sleep with the hottest lady in the world. So even when I lose, I still win. <laughs> I still win. Uh, so I'm like overtly competitive, but then there are passive, aggressive competitors that they don't want you to think that they're competitive. That's how my wife is. My wife is a passive-aggressive competitor. 
that, that you don't think she's competitive. She's so sweet and so nice, and she comes up here, and she does such a phenomenal job with the announcements, and she loves Jesus, and just looks so, I mean, just, she could never be overtly competitive. And then I remember the first time I played dominoes with my wife. And she, she teaches me how to play dominoes, and, and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I studied the domino game strategically that night until the sun came up, and I, I just owned dominoes from that moment on. And then I began to beat my wife at dominoes. And she didn't know what to do with herself. And we were, we were on vacation. I'll never forget this one time in, in, on, at a hotel. You know, all these people around. We're playing dominoes. Beautiful, beautiful day. We're, we're on vacation. And, and I beat her. She accuses me of cheating, which I do not cheat, okay? I may bend the rules slightly and make up rules at times, but I do not cheat. And Diamond just flips over the table in the middle of the resort. People looking over like, like I'm like, I didn't do anything. I just beat her. Just beat her at dominoes. So now I let her win, and there is just so much peace and love in our house now. Uh, but, but people, e even passive-aggressive competitors, you need counseling too. You need, we, you know, we, we all deal with this. And I think it's in our nature to want to be first. I, I want to come in first. I want to be the best that I could possibly be. And the reason is because we serve a God who is, in his nature, is first. He is the first and the last. He is the bay of all time before anything else. I mean, did, did, you, did you see that, that, that scripture that we were reading? The first and the last. It says in, in the book of John, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, even the first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, God. Like, that's how you start the Bible? Like, I was always taught you need to engage your audience. You know, you need to, you know, grip them. That's why I always start with like a personal story so I can engage the audience. But God's like, I'm God. I don't need to engage my audience. I'm God. And I'm just going to start my book by saying, in the beginning, God. Mic drop. That's it. Dab. I'm God. In the beginning, God. That's it. Before the beginning, there was God. God was before the beginning. Wrap your mind around that one. He was before the beginning. That's my God. He is first. And, and even, even in the scriptures, it says, I, I think it's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, that says, by this we know love because he first loved us. He was the first to love. He was the first to give. He was the first to create. He was the first. He was the first in Colossians. Go to it right now. A, a couple other scriptures. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Verse 17, it says, he existed before anything else. The original bay. It's in the Bible. It's biblical. It's biblical, church. Do you think I'm wearing this shirt just to be funny? It's in the Bible. And he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. That's us. And in the beginning, supreme over all, he is the first in everything. The first in everything. So if God is supposed to be first in everything, 
then why is it that we have such a difficult time putting him first in everything? I mean, if, if we're supposed to be the, the, the representation of God to this world, why do we have such a hard time having him be our bay before anything else? Sunday, that's why Sunday, first day of the week, before anything else. Our, our time, before anything else. My admiration, my praise, before anything else. That is who God is called to be. That's who God wants to be. You see in this story, this, this widow woman, if uh, you go to 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse something, verse 13. It says that he asked this widow woman to put him first. This widow woman who is starving, struggling, doesn't have much. And he says, I want you to make me a cake first. And then what's left, I want you to use for yourself. And God has this principle called I want to be first. I want to be first in your life. I want to be first with your time. I want to be first with your talent. And I want to be first with your treasure. And I think most of us are okay with the time. We understand that. At least we don't get offended when, when people tell us that. We could amen and we could clap and we could wrap our brains around that. Even when things get busy, we know that we should put God first at our time. Uh, we know that, that in some way we want to use our talents to be able to, to serve God and for God to use us. And, and, and we can wrap our brains around that. But, but the third one, I think, is the hardest one. is to put God first in our treasure with our resources. And, and this is, to be honest... Not the easiest topic for me to talk about, all right? Money is a, is a difficult topic for me personally to preach and talk about. And I remember this Tuesday, I met with my staff, and I was telling them what I was going to preach on. And, and a few of them looked like, ah, oh, you know, we're going to two services. We might lose some people if you talk about money in church, you know? And, and then I was like, ah, oh, I got this really good sermon. I feel like God's given it to me. And, and then literally yesterday, we opened up the Bible to March 11th, and I, I took a picture and put it up on the screen. And, and the, the title for the devotion for March 11th was Put God First. And I said, all right, I'm good now. I'm going to preach this with boldness and confidence because this isn't just number one God's word. But this is God's timing for his word to be preached to this church. And just because a lot of other pastors and a lot of other people on TV ha have used the scriptures to misrepresent the gospel uh, and use it to, to, to raise them up and, and to, to manipulate people doesn't mean it's not true and doesn't mean that, that I should be afraid to speak about something that God talks about in the Bible almost more than anything else. So I'm going to preach this with boldness because it's God's word. And you, if you get offended and you leave, that's okay. That's okay. We, we need your seat for somebody else to come. Okay. Sorry, is that too much? It's right, it's right Sandy. That's right. Sandy's going to cheer me on if nobody else will. Sandy's got my back. I don't know about any of you other people up there. God, my bay. If you want to live a life in God's will, you're going to have to learn to put him first with your finances. 
And when you put God first in your finances, it doesn't mean, th- this, is, this is what, all right, to be honest, can I just, can I be real with you guys, very real, all right, without being judged? I know that we're recording this and people all over the country are watching this. Can, can I just be real and just not be judged for a second? I hate it when I hear these, and, and, and a lot of them, I, I listen to a lot of great television preachers. A lot of them are great. But when I hear preachers saying, if you, you know, give my ministry $49.99, I'll send you miracle water. And this week, you're going to have a $10,000 check in your mailbox from God knows where, anywhere. And then they have people on there saying how they, you know, sent in their, their they got their holy miracle water from this Fugazi guy, and then I got a $100,000 check in the mail that week. Praise the Lord. I'm like, I'm like this is ridiculous. This is unbelievable. And, and then people see that and then look at somebody that wants to be honest and be real about the Bible, not try and manipulate anybody, and, and we superimpose the people who have hurt others about this topic on God's word and on other preachers. And then we say in our mind that once a preacher starts talking about money, then I just got to shut down because it, it, it's all a scam. It's all fugazi. But, but yet there is such a kingdom principle in this. And it's not that if you give God a tithe, then you're going to go home and there's going to be a $10,000 check. It, God's not a genie, Sandy. He's not a genie God. He's a gardener God. He's a God that wants to have a relationship with you and wants to provide for all your needs. So I, I guarantee that if you put a, 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 a and say, I'm, I'm going to put you first, God, you're probably not going to get a million-dollar check in the mail from a random person this week. But I will guarantee you this, that according to God's word, he will always provide for all of your needs, that you will never be in want, that you will always have enough just like this lady that put him first, it says that her, her flour, her food never ran dry. I've also heard people who have been givers for years. I've heard this, Sandy. For some reason, I'm going to be picking on you today, Sandy. And, and this is what they say. I've been, I've been a tither for 20 years and I'm still struggling. Yeah, because you're an idiot with the rest of your money. Okay, uh, yes, I want to put God first. Yes, you need to. But you need to be smart with the rest of your money. Just because you follow a kingdom principle doesn't mean that you could act like you're a millionaire when you're not. Going into debt and then blaming God because you're in debt. No, you're an idiot. You're selfish and you're greedy. You need to live within your means. You need to put together a, b- 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 wow, what's that word? A budget. That's right, a budget. Because God, yes, wants to bless you, but he also wants you to be a good steward with what you already have. Am I preaching okay so far? Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Hey, what's here for our people? Don't let them see the sign, Diamond. What's the matter with you? Because every single one of us has... A pie. All right, all this talking about cakes and pies in, in, in the book of Kings made me kind of hungry. So I got some pies. Guess how many, everybody out today is going to leave here with a pie. Every family, every family. We only could get, they only had 100 at Stop and Shot, so we could only get 100. So. <laughs> but every single one of you has a pie. Some of you have bigger pies than other people. But God has blessed you with a pie. What's up, Greg? 
And, and you know, it, it could be a, a teacher's pie. It could be a banker's pie. It could be a, a, a retired pie. It could be whatever it is. Everyone has a pie. And you have been blessed so abundantly. No matter what the size of your pie is, nobody walked in here naked today. I don't think. Jim, we don't let naked people in here, do we? No, no, we do not. And I, last time I checked, no one here is starving. Especially you, Joe. You look, you're looking good, you know? You're looking healthy, Joe. Looking healthy these days. I mean, nobody's starving. Everyone's got, you got clothes on your back. Did you know that if your family makes more than $45,000, you are in the top 1% of the world? God, you are blessed. If you have food on the table, roof over your head, if you have a job, you are one of the wealthiest people in the world. You're blessed. Say, I'm blessed. And you have a pie. Every one of you has a pie. Different sizes, right? Different sizes, different size pies. And every, uh, every month, we get our pie, and uh, we allocate it certain places. You know, we, we, we all have our pies, and, and uh, um, I, I thought about, hey, what's up, Amelia? I thought about probably the number one expense that we have is, uh, and, and they say um, that probably around 30% of your income should go towards your home. Let me flip it over. There you go. Your house. And so, and so every month we, we get our pie and we, we take a piece of our pie and we, we give it towards our house. You know, like utilities, insurance, gas bills, electric bills, homeowners insurance, Water bill, sewer bill, what are the bills? Property taxes? God. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that in a second. You know, who, who loves blessing the IRS? Man, I just love blessing the IRS. Praise be to God. And, and, and we, we all have a portion that goes towards our house, and that's good. You know, that, that I'm th so thankful that uh, God's blessed me with a house that I, that I get to live in. And, and then I thought about another piece is... is uh, What's, what's the next one, Pastor Rhonda? No, it's supposed to be another one. But we could do that one now. We could do that one now. Yeah, it's tax season. Who loves the IRS? <laughs> Anyone here work for the IRS? We're going to stone you after service. <laughs> stone them. <laughs> Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. <laughs> Zacchaeus, is he here? No, he's not. Uh, it's a church joke. If you don't get it, that's okay. We're the weird ones. You're not. You're totally cool. And, and, and we got it every single year. April 15th, tax day, baby. We got, we got to give our fa And the IRS, man, they don't, they don't pass the basket, do they? <laughs> no. no. And, and if, you, if you don't, you, you will be in jail. I mean, they, they, there's not much forgiveness with the IRS. And so, you know, it, every, every single one of us, we, we have to put, put it towards, get, we got to give ours to, to Uncle Sam. Praise God for Uncle Sam. Kind of, kind of. All right. And then what's the next one we got? Education. Put it up there. Let's hear it for education. I mean, this is an important one. 
Uh, this, I mean, this is one that, that we certainly, I mean, these are all important, but you need to invest in your education. You need to invest in your children's education. Uh, we made a decision that we're not going to send our kids to college because we, we're going to go to Disney World. That's what we're going to do instead. So we took the uh, 529 plans. We cashed them out. We went to Disney World. So our kids can't be mad at us. I mean, when they're 18, we'll be like, look, we took you to Disney World. You know, sorry about college. Go get some student loans like everybody else. You know, <laughs> anybody have student loans in here? Yeah, <laughs> everyone just raised their hands like, oh. <laughs> yeah, but it's but you you have a degree and 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 you you worked hard to get that, um, and and it's a good thing. We need to be able to to allocate towards our education. We need to allocate it towards our children's education. Five twenty nine plans, a, a a great investment. I used to be a financial advisor. That's why I know anybody have no idea what a five twenty nine plan is. <laughs> Most people, uh, I am I'm the weird one again. Uh, so it's it's a good thing. We want to invest in education, and we want to invest in our kids. Uh, and then, then what, what do we got, Lisa? Yeah, that's the one I was looking for. Lisa, I, was, I wanted you to wear like your Maserati outfit with like your hat and stuff, but you know, <laughs> that's coming, let's get it next time, next time. I mean, you gotta have a car, right? Gotta have a car, gotta have two cars. Anybody got five cars? No, <laughs> no don't raise your head. Yeah, but but we, you got to have a car. You got to have transportation. You got to have gas to put inside the car. I mean, it's a, it's a big part of living. You got to be able to you know, get around. And a lot of people, um, you know, I'm, I'm so excited. One of, one of my, my brothers, he, he's getting his license uh, this year, hasn't had his license in 12 years. He came to our church about 10 years ago. And uh, right in the middle of so much tor- turmoil, and God has been so faithful. And I'm so excited to take that first ride with my brother from another mother. Uh, I was going to be getting his license this year. Uh, you know, so it's, so it's so exciting. If you don't have a car, it's exciting when you get a car. You know, but we all need one, and, and especially around here. Maybe if you, don't live in the, if you live in the city, you don't need one, but, but we got to have a car, you know. What kind of car? What's your dream car, Lisa? No? You, didn't, you haven't thought about this? Oh, she already has her dream car. Oh, sweet. That's what I'm talking about. Not going to ask you what it is. And then, and then we got, what's next? What's next? Me. Me. Gotta pay me, right? No, no, no. Like, like you laugh, but this is important. Like, like you need to pay yourself. You need to take, like, like go, go to the movies. Go, you know, get your nails done. Get your hair did. Get your back waxed. Whatever, you know, you do. Like, like, like it's good. Take care of you. You know, you know like, like so many of us, we take care of everybody else, and, and then we're the ones that really need it the most. So, so when you see me, don't say, oh, I can't take care of me because I'm selfish. No. you you got to take care of yourself. Have me time. Say me time. Got too much me time. Okay? Balance. Say balance. Balance. you got to have balance. And so you, you have to be able to take care of me. And then what, what about you, Al? What do you got? Oh. You got any credit card debt, Al? Just a little bit. Anyone with credit card debt in here? Amen. <laughs> yeah. It's good to know I'm not the only one, right? Uh, the, the average person carries 16,000 in, I don't know why I'm pointing this at you. I feel very, you know, like you're getting like blueberry, you know, on your mouth in the front row. Uh, like, like everybody has credit card debts because we want what we can't afford and we need it now and we don't want to wait to save, right? That's what we do. I did, I, 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 I did it. I'm not going to do it anymore because I'm taking this financial wellness class that's going to be awesome. It's going to get me debt free. 
and everybody else here needs to take it. April 15th, tax day is when it's starting. Robin Smith is going to be leading it. Shout out, Robin Smith. And credit cards, you know, you shop here. Uh, every single time I go to a store, I, I buy something. Oh, you can get 20% off if you get a credit card today. Like, yeah, they, they, they wait, am I getting set up for something here? Yes, you are, because they're banking on Americans being stupid, which we are, and not paying their credit cards, and then they just rack in the interest. And, and so uh, we all have, have credit card debt, and I, I thought it would be you know, nice to, to be able to do this. Oh, man, I can't get this. Here, you get it for me, honey. Shake it up. Is that, there's the interest right there, right there. <laughs> 20%, 30%, of oh, the deferred interest, the deferred, oh, anyone ever get hammered by deferred interest? Oh, we got a 0% interest, oh, it's all good, until you miss one payment and then they tack it all on, boom, you want to open up your mouth, no, no, I'm not going to, no, 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 and, 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 then, and then what's the, what's, what's the, oh, oh you don't have any pie, Al? Well, right there is yours, and then I got to pay myself. I didn't give you, the, you, you any pie. Thank you. And then I, I, I look at, at the end of the month, and oh, boy. But God, he, he still loves me, and yes, he does. That's what's so amazing. God loves the most generous person and the greediest person the same. That's how amazing his grace is. He loves you anyhow. But this is probably where most of us are, is at the end of the month or, 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 or when the basket goes by, we, we're calculating in our head, all right, all right, I mean, just for a number, you know, $1,000 minus this, minus that, minus blah, 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 all right, I could give God $5 this week. And, and, then, and then it comes by, and then we, you know, yeah, we give, we give God the crumbs. I'm sorry, not sorry. But we've all done it. I've done it. You've done it. I'm not preaching this message to bring condemnation on you. I'm not even preaching this message to try and manipulate you into giving. I don't care. I don't want to put any pressure on you. But I want you to just start to put things in perspective. I want you to put things in perspective that the only reason that you're here is because of God. That he loves you anyhow. He loves you abundantly. He has grace for all the sins, all the shortcomings, all the mistakes that you've made. He loves you so much. And yet so often we put him last in our life. And we give him the crumbs. It's like, uh, you know, I, I did this trick sometimes with Diamond. She hates it. But we'll be watching a movie, and I'll be eating, like, the Junior Mints. And, and then I'll just be housing on the Junior Mints. I'll be like, hey, hey, Diamond, you want some? She'll be like, yeah, I want some. And I give her to her, and it's just an empty box. <laughs> it's not funny when you do it to God, though. I guess it's not really funny when you do it to your wife, either. But <laughs> shame on you people for laughing. See, I, I really want to be a church that puts God first. And, and, and I know that, that some people, you're struggling, and, and, and I get that. 
I, I, I get it. I've, I've gone through seasons where I have struggled. Uh, God gets it. You know, God, in this story, I mean, I'm re- just reading the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. In this story, it's this woman who's struggling. And, and he says, if, if you want God to provide for your needs, you need to still put him first even when you're struggling. That, that when, I, when, I, when I get my pie, that I'm going to put God at the front of the table. Say, God, before I start divvying stuff out to the house, the IRS, education, these are all good things. These are all very good things. I could have put a lot of stupid things up here that we buy. That's a whole other story. That's just a no-brainer, all right? But before any of these things, God, I'm going to put you first in my life because I trust you. I know that you're not going to leave me nor forsake me. That when I put you first in my life, first with my time, Sunday morning. That's why we do this on Sunday mornings. It's the first day of the week. We're coming here saying, God, you deserve my first and my best. Because you were first. You were my bae before anything else. You were. So I'm putting you first. And I'm going to put you first every single morning. You should do this. Instead of getting your cell phone and checking your Facebook status, Ooh, did, did they like my picture? Did, did they re- redo this? What emails did I get? Did I get a threatening email from work? This, 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 this. You need to open up your phone, go to the Bible app, go to Bible Gateway, go to God, go see what God has for you for that day. He will speak to you in the morning. Go to him first thing in the morning, right by your toothbrush. Put your, put your Bible on your toothbrush. That's what I do. Toothbrush and toilet. That's where I got my Bible because truth be told in the mornings that's where I go first right there and I want to make sure that I go to God first and then with my treasure thank God I'm going to put you first with my treasure not because I have to nobody has to you don't have to do anything all right God loves you you're going to go to heaven if you never give a dime if you keep him last and give him crumbs the rest of your life you're going to go to heaven all right Praise God. You should be happy about that, some of you people. You, know, you should be like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Because I don't, I don't give because I want to. I don't be, give because it's a law. You have to. God's not like that. He says it's, it's the law of love. That because, God, I, I see the love that you have given me. And I love you so much that I want to put you first. I trust you so much that I'm going to put you first with my finances. I love you so much that I know that even during the greatest struggles of my life that your word still endures. And as I put you first, you will always take care of my needs because God owns the bakery. He owns the bakery. He's the one that gave you the pie to begin with. Oh, I'm sorry. You thought that it was you? Oh, you, you thought it was your smarts, your intellect, your mind, your strong hands, your willpower? Who gave that to you anyhow? The one who made you, not you. You're faithful with it. You're a good steward with it. Yes, but you had nothing to do with the day that you were born. God put you there. God predestined you. Oh, God, help me. I close with this. 
It's the story of this woman in Luke chapter 10. And it's the story of uh, Jesus who goes to eat with these religious elite Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law, these kind of stuffy people. And uh, he, he gets in there and he's eating with all the Pharisees. And uh, Jesus is at the table. And as he's at the table, this, all right, I'm just going to say it was, it was a prostitute walks in. Woman that everybody knows around town. A lot of scholars think it was Mary Magdalene, but it doesn't say her name. And th this woman walks into this dinner party. And I'm sure she's dressed with her attire. And here's Jesus with these other pastors and leaders. And she walks in, and immediately she falls at the feet of Jesus. Immediately. And, and she's got, like, hair on her feet, and she's got tears, and she takes this expensive bottle of perfume that, that represents her, her earnings, her wealth. Uh, I mean, if someone who is a prostitute, what they would use with the money that they made was to buy per expensive perfume so that when they went from house to house or man to man, that they could use that perfume in order to get their next business opportunity, quote unquote. So it, this was her wealth. This was her essence. This is what she had. This is how she made her money. And she falls at the feet of Jesus. And to be honest, this must have been one of the most awkward moments in the Bible. I mean, when was the last time you were out to eat and a random person fell at the feet of your <laughs> husband or someone at the table with you, starts crying and weeping? Like, this is weird. This is awkward. This is strange. This is crazy. This is illogical. This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Didn't this woman think before she acted. Didn't this woman, you know, calculate what she was going to do when she saw Jesus more, but, but she didn't whatsoever. And when she did this, all the religious elite people looked at her like, wait, what is this? What are you doing? What is she doing? I never know what she's doing in there. And a couple people. And in that moment, Jesus says to them, says, hey, Simon, Simon's name of the Pharisee. Hey, Simon, uh, let me uh, give you a little question. So if there's a creditor that, um, you know, there's two people that owes them money. One person owes them uh, five Gs. Another person owes them $5. And that creditor forgives both of those debts. Who is going to be more thankful? Who is going to have more love for that creditor? The one who was forgiven $5 or the one that was forgiven five Gs? And then the Pharisee says, oh, that's easy, Jesus. Of course, the person that was forgiven five Gs. Of course. And, and Jesus says, yep, you're right, Simon. You're right. Because when much is forgiven, much is loved. And when little is forgiven, there's little love there. And when we read this a lot of times, we, we think that, what Jesus is saying is, I got to list all of my sins, everything, and then compare them to other people. Because if my list is shorter than your list, then you're going to love more than, than I'm going to love. That's not what he's saying whatsoever. Because we have all, we're all the, the, the huge magnanimous, that's us. We're not supposed to write down our sins. We have countless sins. I mean, we are the sinner, the ultimate sinner. We are the worst of the worst you, Ernie, are the worst. Oh, my gosh, I can't even get started with you, Ernie. 
the worst. But there are some people who think that they're better than somebody else. They think somehow within themselves that they don't really need God, they don't really need his forgiveness. And, and so that person loves little because they don't see God for anything but maybe a get out of jail free card, a fireproof suit, something like that. And yet Jesus says this woman, man, the reason why she is giving her best, the reason why I am her bae is because she saw the love and forgiveness that I had for her. She saw the fact that I didn't look and judge her and condemn her, but I forgave her. And now the reason that she is here with tears and, and, and giving me her perfume and showing this love for me is because she found my grace. And most of us never find God's grace because you give to what you love. You support what you love. People say, I love your church, Pastor Isaac. All right. You give to what you love. You support what you love. Does that offend anybody? I'm sorry. Not sorry. Man, can we be that woman that lives a life so recklessly at times that, God, I could be dead tomorrow, man. I could, I could be gone this year. God, I want to live for you. I want to live for your purpose. I want to live like, like, like this woman who says, Jesus, take it all. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. You have done so much for me already. So every day of my life that I have on planet earth, I'm going to live for you first. I'm going to live for you alone first, that you are the God of every aspect of my life. You saved me. You're the reason I have breath in my lungs. So I'm going to live for you. That's how I want to live. It's hard. I get it. Life happens. Problems come about every single moment. I was back there before I, I, I preached because the, the, the video announcement didn't play properly and I was getting stressed out and angry and frustrated because life happens but yet we still serve a God of grace and mercy that even though I've been maybe the greediest person alive, he loves me the same. He still has his hand on my life and so now I want to live for him not because I want to get to <laughs> but because I, I get to live for him. Stand to your feet if, if you would. Was this sermon okay? I, God, I, I, I've got, I hope this, this was able somehow to, to minister to you. That whatever your pie is, God, you're going to come first. And we, we harp in churches so often on, you got you to you tithe, you got to do 10%. That's what we say. But just start somewhere. Start somewhere. Say, God, whatever it is, you pray about it. Talk to your family about it. You don't even have to give to this church. Give, give somewhere else. I, I don't care. Just live God first. Live generously. Don't, don't live just for me and me alone because, my gosh, you're not as cool as you think you are. <laughs> <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, you're not as cool as you think you are. <laughs> you're not as smooth as you think you are. 
I wonder sometime if God, if God looks down at us and just laughs. I look at him. Look, he thinks he's so awesome. Oh, God, tracks me up. Look what he's wearing. Oh, God. Oh, I still love him, though. I still love him. Oh, my gosh. There's Margo again being so selfish. Oh, my goodness. Oh, she just gave me crumbs again. That's all right. I, I love her. Oh, man, I love Margo. Oh, Margo, you're my girl. I don't even, you know what? I love you the same. <laughs> That's my God. So you're not going to leave here feeling any guilt or any condemnation. I hope not. But what I hope you leave here feeling is loved abundantly. Because we have work to do. We have a mission to do at this church. And we can't do it alone. So say, God, God, I remember when we, our last thing, I promise, I promise, I promise. When we uh, were talking about going to two services, um, it was going to cost us um, $1,000 more a week. And I uh, told the church about it in December. Uh, we were going we to go from paying $750 a week to now uh, going to two services. It's going to be $1,750 a week. And I, I told everyone here, and I said, we need $40,000 in order to go to two services. Guess how much money came in? No, oh, you don't know. $53,000 came in that month. And, and, and this, this, this is what got me the most, is it came from everybody. I, I saw, like, teenagers giving $250. That could be, like, half of the money that they made. You know, I saw, you know, you know, business owners giving, you know, thousands because they value what is happening. And they say, you know what? We need to make room for more people. So I'm going to live generously. I'm going to live with hand, hands like that, not just like hands like this. That God, I'm going to put you first. And I know maybe I might not get my dream car, but your gospel is going to be preached. People are going to get saved. Jesus is going to be lifted up. And, you know, I got a feeling that if Jesus gets lifted up, that if revival takes place, that our country is going to be in a place where we're not going to need so much money for, for, you know, law enforcement, for this, for drunk drivers, for this and that, and all this stuff. It's going to end up, man, I'm telling you, if we lift Jesus up, I know I don't believe in politicians either, but just let me go with this, all right? In the long run, we're going to win. We're going to win. You think it's a loss. It is, it, it's really a game. Amen. Amen. Let's lift our hands and just worship right now. Let's sing that song one more time. Not for a moment was I forsaken. Not for a minute did God ever let me down. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father God.